Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to the Long Live Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to let you know in advance, um, the air conditioning is going on right now. Um, I, don't, I hope this isn't the biggest interference. I did a test audio um, sample. I don't think it sounds too bad. Um, I really don't have the software to block out the noise. I'm pretty sure... It isn't that bad. I'm actually looking at um, something here. I, I Hang on, I'm going to stop talking for a second. Yeah. I don't think I'm picking up any interference. Anyway. Yeah. Hi. A pretty busy week for me, but I did manage to see a few things. Uh, number one, I did see The Woman in the Window, and that's with Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie's in there, Julianne Moore, um, Wyatt Russell, and uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I actually really enjoyed this one. This is by no means one of Amy Adams' best movies, but she did deliver a good performance, and that's that. that is to be expected. I've never seen... A movie that Amy was average in. Uh, great cinematography. It's one of those movies where you have all these actors. Great actors. Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Gary Oldman. But you don't get too much screen time out of any of them. I went into this movie completely blind. I only knew that Amy was part of it. So, so when Gary Oldman's character came on the screen, I was shocked. I didn't know he was in the movie. I was like, oh my god, it's Gary Oldman. I don't know how close the book is to the source material, but I am hearing that the book is better than the movie. I love the cinematography. Great acting from everyone. It's not perfect. It does have its flaws. And, uh, yeah, The Woman in the Window, you can find that on Netflix. I'm going to say, if you guys and girls are not watching HBO's Mayor of East Town. That is my favorite show right now. The latest episode. Every episode ends with a cliffhanger. This episode? Wow. I absolutely love the show. Great writing, great characters, great directing, great acting. I haven't seen too many Kate Winslet movies. I didn't have high expectations going in. Of her performance. But man she won me over immediately. She is excellent. Everybody's good. Once again. If you are not watching HBO's. Mayor of East Town. Catch up. We're about. Four or five six episodes in. Don't get too far behind. Watch it. I am a few. Episodes in on Castlevania season four. They are definitely starting to set up the finale immediately. I can't wait to see how this thing ends. I've enjoyed Castlevania. At first, I remember, this was everybody's expectation. We thought that it was going to be just a, just a, like an okay video game anime, right? But this is like a legit good anime. If you, If you're a fan of anime, shoot up. Not even that. If you are just a fan of 
of stories and um, storytelling. And you don't really have to be a fan of anime to enjoy this. And, and in fact, I think anime in general, you can find anime that speaks to you. I've always been a fan of Dragon Ball Z, but I didn't really become an anime fan religiously until I saw Death Note. The show will end with season four, which I am completely fine with. I am a person that's like, don't go into a season without a story to tell. If you are certain and aware that you are going to end the show with only four seasons, that's fine. Worst case scenario is that you'll make a a season uh, five, six, seven, and beyond, and you don't have a story to tell. You are milking the story. You are making it up as you go. That's the worst case scenario. I remember, I, I, I think I, I saw a, a video with Quentin Tarantino. He was explaining why he was retiring. Why he is retiring after only 10 movies. I think he said something like, I want to retire when I'm at a creative high. Meaning that he wants to retire while he is good at this. Good at directing, good at writing scripts, and good at movie making. Worst case scenario is he'll stay in the game a little too long. And his creativeness will start to take a dip and he'll start to bring out bad movies and stuff. I think that's what he's talking about. I can really compare this to musicians, and I can compare what he's saying to comedians. There are comedians today that used to be so funny back in the day, but they're nowhere near as funny today. So I think that creativity does take a decline. Creativity does diminish over time if you don't stay creative. And it's hard to stay creative if you've already done everything. But anyway, I am enjoying Castlevania Season 4. If you haven't seen Castlevania at all, I advise you to check it out. I think you will enjoy it. It is on Netflix. It is my one of my favorite shows right now. On to some news. So check this out, y'all. Scream 5 is not a prequel. It's not a sequel. It's not a remake. But it's the start of a new franchise. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like they're going to kill off some major characters. A new franchise often means a brand new cast. Sydney might survive, but I do think that Gail Weathers and Dewey's fates are both questionable. You know, but... When they say this is the start of a new of a new franchise, if you really think about it, it kind of makes sense for them to go this way. Um, okay, let me think. Uh, Scream. Uh, let's go back from the beginning. Scream one. The theme with Scream one largely was about taking shots at previous horror movies. There is a scene where Sydney says something like, um, "She hates when." The killer is chasing the girl all through the house and then the girl runs up the stairs when she really should be running out of the front door saving herself. It basically put the horror genre on notice in that sense. And then we get to Scream 2. Once again, they're taking shots at horror movies. Scream is a spoof on horror movies, okay? Um, but the theme for Scream 2 is basically what makes a sequel a sequel. And in this particular case, 
what are the core elements that are needed into making the perfect horror sequel. There's a scene with Randy talking to uh, Dewey, speculating on who the killer might be. And Randy was saying, well, you have to understand how sequels work. He says things like, uh, number one, uh, more gore, more blood. And number two, the body count is always bigger. He also mentions who you should now suspect who the killer might be. That was the theme throughout the entire movie. Scream 3, um, for some reason, I don't really remember too much about that one. I do remember that it was pretty good. Um, I think it had something to do with uh, screenplays, or uh, I think the killer was trying to uh, create the perfect story or something. All I remember is who the killer was, and that's about it. And now we have Scream 4. With this one, the theme is remakes. Sydney comes back to Woodsboro on the anniversary of the first killings that occurred in Scream 1, so a lot of time has passed. And of course, there is a brand new killer on the loose, but the thing about this killer is, this killer is obsessed with the very first killer in the first movie. And Sydney, she calls it out. I think one of her lines was, um, someone is pattering murders after... The original movie, the original movie meaning stab, stab in the movie. That's the movie. But for us, the viewer, the original movie is Scream 1. So it seemed like the franchise was trying to take it back to where it all started. Now, you have noticed the pattern, right? The first movie, basically what makes a horror movie a horror movie. Second movie, what makes a sequel a sequel. Third movie, again, I don't remember too much about it. Fourth movie, it was all about remakes. Now, Courtney Cox said that Scream 5 is not a prequel, it's not a sequel, it's not a remake, it's a start of a new franchise. The theme for this movie is franchise. That's what we, the viewer, have to keep in mind when going into this movie. What are the ingredients, the elements of a new franchise? I could tell you right now, they're probably, once again, they're probably going to kill off Gail Weathers and Dewey. Sydney, she has a 50-50 chance of surviving. Or um, if there is a character that is similar to her in the movie, then I think Sydney's going to go, and then this new character is going to basically be the new Sydney. That's a thing that happens in new franchises. They find new characters that are similar to the legacy characters. Also, a new franchise can mean diversity. It wouldn't shock me if the new killer was a person of color. Killers in horror movies are usually white. But here's the thing. Let's say that Sydney did die. Sydney is the key character in Scream. Without Sydney, you don't have Scream. Sydney is essential to Scream. The killer has a personal connection with Sydney. Taking away Sydney is kind of like taking away Andy and Child's Play. 
Andy was important in the movie because Charles Lee Ray needed to transfer his soul into his body because that was the first person he told his secret to. And if he didn't do it in the nick of time and then uh, Charles Lee Ray, he he stays in the body forever. He's trapped. That was the story. That was why Chucky was so motivated to hunt down Andy. And he would kill anyone in his way to get to him. And then you get to the bride of Chucky and no more Andy. So the movie is, is a little bit more hollow. Chucky just kills for sport. And I think that's the situation that's going to happen if Ghostface was to kill off Sydney. Each time someone stepped, in, stepped into the costume of Ghostface, that person was motivated to get to Sydney. The killers were harassing Sydney for a reason. And let's say Sydney dies in Scream 5, he going in Scream 6. What is the killer's motivation? He's going to be killing for sport. Yes, you could create a, a brand new story, but come on. Without Sydney, you really don't have Scream. Without Neve Campbell, you don't have Scream. And that's all I got to say about that. Scream 5, uh, excuse me, they're calling it Scream. Just Scream. Scream will arrive in theaters January 14th, 2022. January. That's a weird month. Oh, you know what? The pandemic. The pandemic most likely affected the production of this film. What's pretty interesting to think about, Scream has never really released in October. Halloween, right? Scream 1 came out in December. Scream 2, December. Scream 3, February. Scream 4, April. And now we have uh, Scream 2022 coming out in January. So Scream has never came out in October. I think the Saw movies did. I remember watching the trailers. I remember it saying, like, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw or something. I remember when there was a Saw movie releasing every year. I've seen every Saw movie except the new one, Spiral. I've seen Saw 3 and 4 in theaters. The rest I've only seen on Blu-ray. I really think that Saw should have ended after 3. Saw 4, they wanted to get creative, and it really just didn't work at the end of the day. There were some movies that were a little bit better than others. I remember Saw 6, was it? which was actually pretty decent. After Shaw 3, I really didn't care for the story. I just basically watched it for for the horror and gore and violence. I didn't didn't really care about the story. I am going to check out Spiral at some point. I'm hearing that the reviews are about on par with the other spa, with the other Saw movies given the pros and cons and um I'm not and I'm like well, that's pretty much Saw in, the, in a nutshell. Everything they're talking about, that's basically what Saw has always been. Spiral sounds like another Saw movie to me. I wasn't expecting anything amazing. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has officially been wrapped, and it's coming out next year, April 8th, 2022. This sequel should be good. It seems like... The director, producer, and everybody attached to, the, to this, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a franchise or trilogy or whatever, this property, they seem to know what they're doing. 
They're very faithful. I think it's safe to say that Knuckles is going to be in this movie. And I also think it's safe to say that he will look very faithful to what he should look like. Of course, we got a a glimpse of what Tails is going to look like in the post credits of the first one. Tails looked exactly like what he should look like. And I think from this point on, no matter who they announce future movie wise or whatever, I think it's safe to say that they know what they're doing. Characters will look faithful to the video games. I hear Jason Momoa might voice Knuckles. And I heard another rumor that kind of died pretty quickly that um, I heard uh, Dwayne Johnson was also on the table for Knuckles. Both are solid choices, if you ask me. At the end of the first one, we saw Dr. Robotnik looking more like the video game Robotnik with that bushy mustache. I'm wondering, are they going to go even further and have his character gain weight because you you know he is a heavy set character even sonic gives him the nickname eggman he is literally shaped and he looks like an egg which is kind of funny um yeah so uh what else do we want to see in this uh how about the villain who's going to be the villain this time around outside of robotnik who does he have for Sonic? Here's my theory. I think it's going to be Metal Sonic. And it makes sense. Robotnik in the first movie made it his absolute mission to try to understand this hedgehog, to learn its abilities, understand its speed, trying to figure out a way to capture this thing. And so, for the second movie, he decides to, you know what, what if I just created a Metal Hedgehog? Right. That makes sense. A metal duplicate of the actual Hedgehog. That's what I would do. Metal Sonic showed up in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on Sega Genesis. Uh, I don't know if they're taking that into consideration and just pleasing the fans like that. But on the other hand, it seems like they're taking the route of Sonic Adventure. There is no Metal Sonic in Sonic Adventure. The story is set in San Francisco. That sounds pretty... Sonic Adventure 2 battle to me. But that doesn't mean that they still can't use the character. The character makes sense for this second go-around. I doubt that they'll introduce a villain like like Chaos. I think, in the long run, that'll be very expensive to render on screen. Perfect Chaos. Because you remember at the end of Sonic Adventure 1 where the whole city was just underwater, under like, what, 40 to 50 feet of water. That's a lot of CGI to render. I don't think the movie has that kind of budget. At least now, but, you know, in the future, who knows. Let me go back to Knuckles for a second. Will Knuckles be an ally or a villain out of the gate? In, what, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 on Genesis, he was a villain. So Robotnik, uh, I don't want to say brainwashed, though, but he, uh, you know, he tricks Knuckles into helping him. Robotnik uses Knuckles to carry out his evil plan, so to speak. I think Knuckles will be a villain right out of the gate. I think him and Sonic are going to have like a nice little showdown in one of the scenes. 
I wonder if Knuckles is going to actually fly. The reason why I'm saying this is when I think about abilities, I notice with Tails when he was introduced, yeah, he was flying, but notice how fast he was flying. So they tweaked his ability a little bit. He was never that fast in the games. Now I'm looking at Knuckles. Is he going to do his his air glides or is he going to just like straight up fly? It seemed like Sonic was much faster than in the movies. He, Sonic's always been a fast character, but it seems like he was just way faster. His speed is just flat out ridiculous. And we got to talk about the Chaos Emeralds. I think that the Chaos Emeralds are going to be the key items in this movie. I think that's going to be Knuckles' story arc. He's going to be looking for the Chaos Emeralds the entire movie. And of course, if Sonic was to get all seven Chaos Emeralds, you know what happens next. Dragon Ball Z. Man, that'll be something to see. Do you think that Sonic's going to go Super Sonic in this one? I don't think so. If Metal Sonic is the villain, you don't need to go Super Sonic to defeat Metal Sonic. He's not that tough, but it depends on who the villain villain is going to be in the third movie. If we're able to see a third one. I think that transformation is going to be uh, shown in the third film. Then again, who knows? Um, It depends on, I guess, who the villain is going to be in this one. That's, of course, if Sonic can secure all the emeralds in one movie. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen. Super Sonic is highly unlikely for Sonic two that sounds more like a sonic three movie i think dr robotnik's robots are going to be more sophisticated he is known for his animal robots in the video games i think now would be a good time to speculate on those will we learn more about robotnik's past i don't know if this was uh detailed in the first one but His father, Gerald Robotnik, and also his daughter, Maria. Will those characters make an appearance? Or be mentioned, at least? If so, a lot of story opportunities just presented itself. Gerald Robotnik is a gateway to a very specific character. That's all I'm going to say. I'm extremely excited for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I have complete faith in, again, with the characters and what they're going to look like. I think we can all breathe a sigh of relief. We remember what happened in the first trailer, in the first movie, right? Sonic looking like a literal hedgehog with human teeth, looking all crazy and everything. Just complete, a complete disgrace. I said, well, damn, y'all might as well throw the whole movie away. Paramount Pictures got Sonic looking like that? And then they redesigned Sonic, and now he looks more like the video game Sonic. We saw Tails at the end of, well, post credit scene of the first one. Tails looked completely correct, completely acceptable. That's what Tails should look like, and now I'm hearing Knuckles is going to be in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I think Knuckles is going to look fantastic. And again, I don't think Knuckles is 100% confirmed, but every time I go on the internet, 
there's a lot of heavy rumors and a lot of conversations involving this character. It looks, it all seems true. If Knuckles is not going to be in this movie story-wise, he is at least going to be a post-credit Easter egg. Now, I can keep going and going. I'm a huge Sonic fan. I can keep talking about this for 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 hours. But I'm not. I'm just going to cut it off here and just say with my buttery voice, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 arrives in theaters April 8th, 2022. All right, final topic. The upcoming Jurassic World Dominion, which releases in June of next year, um, they're bringing back the legacy characters. If you're not aware, the legacy characters, including Jeff Goldblum, who was in Fallen Kingdom, Laura Dern, and Sam Neill. I was reading something online where uh, I read Laura. She was excited working with the other two actors and a, you know, a little bit of a family reunion kind of thing. It seems like they're going to be carrying the movie rather than being cameos. At least that's what it looks like. Of course, you got Chris Pratt returning. I'm thinking Sam, Jeff, and Laura are going to be side characters. I wasn't too crazy about Jurassic World. I thought it felt more like a monster movie versus Jurassic Park. That one was, it felt more of a thriller, um, very suspenseful. But to be fair, I think that's what Jurassic World was going for. It was going for a brand new franchise. So it's going to look and be different. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but it was just, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I did have a issue with the cast. They didn't feel like memorable characters. When you look at Jurassic Park, you got Dr. Alan Grant, Ellie, Ian, and the kids. They are all, not only are they memorable, but the acting is so good. The acting in Jurassic Park is amazing. These are quality actors. And finally, I always felt that Jurassic World really lacked tension. When you look at the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park, notice that scene, is it moves very slow. It's building up that horror. One little sound, and the kids give away their position. So you're just... You're really holding your breath throughout that entire scene as they are crawling on their knees. I love that slow moving. I love that 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 tension. It it builds very slow, right? You get a lot of moments like that. Not only that one, and also the scene where the T Rex breaks out of that electric fence, and everyone has to stay perfectly still. The tension is so real. I'm really hoping that the script makes sense for Sam, Jeff, and Laura to come back. I hope this isn't just fan service, kind of like in Rise of the Skywalker when we saw Lando and we saw uh, Palpatine. The only reason why those characters were in the movie was literally just to sell the movie. I do like Lost World Jurassic Park. I think it's very rewatchable. It's very entertaining. Not as good as the first one. Um... Jurassic Park 3, it's one of those movies where if you're having a barbecue, 
you're flipping through the channels and you're just looking for something just to have on kind of in the background, not really pay attention to kind of like cops or MTV cribs. That is what Jurassic Park three is to me. So my biggest wishes for Dominion. Number one. If you're going to bring back Sam, Jeff and Laura. Bring them back as characters that actually carry the movie. I don't want them to be fan service. I don't want them to be cameos. I want their returns to actually make sense. Number two. Now this is just for me. I want them to return to that suspenseful thriller horror instead of the big monster horror. I want them to go back to the roots. That's probably not going to happen. Jurassic World is just a different franchise. It has a different theme, a different... It's a whole different animal. Here's something that's interesting. The T-Rex in Jurassic World... Now, this is what I read. The T-Rex in Jurassic World is the exact same T-Rex in Jurassic Park. How long do T-Rexes live? How long do dinosaurs live in general? I'll definitely have to research that. Jurassic World made $1.67 billion at the box office. And Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom made $1.31 billion at the box office. Very successful. Jurassic World Dominion arrives in theaters June 10th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the end of the episode. It is extremely late. I am getting sleepy. I need a little bit of food before I go to bed. I definitely need some water. And I will call it a night. So, thank you for joining me here on the Long Live Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron. Be safe out there. Love each other. Do nice things for each other. And good things will come to you. Take care.